You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. The Curious About Cannabis podcast is brought to you by the generous support of fans just like you. Find out how you can support the show and get access to exclusive content, merchandise discounts, and more at patreon.com slash curiousaboutcannabis. If you want to learn even more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book at cacpodcast.com slash book, or check out our Curious About Cannabis online courses and educational events at the Natural Learning Academy at learn.naturaledu.com. Hi, I'm Nikki Lolly, a passionate cannabis patient and advocate for cannabis for brain injuries. You're listening to the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Wilson with the Curious About Cannabis podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in once again. So today I'm really excited to be sitting down with Nikki Lawley, who has an incredible story to share and uh, a lot of things that I'm really excited to dive in. So I don't want to waste really any time here. So Nikki, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Happy to, Jason. I really appreciate you asking me to be on here. Absolutely. And and um, I know you've been a, a listener to the podcast for um, a little while now. We connected sometime last year. So it's it's exciting to kind of loop back around and, and finally uh, get you on here and, and to talk about um, this very interesting um, relationship with cannabis that you have that I think is uh, very underappreciated and not really talked about too much. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening is like, what is he talking about? Um, but uh, to kind of, before we really dive into um, your relationship with cannabis and, and all of that, I want to try to paint a picture here of what, um, you know, your history and your life up to the point that you needed cannabis. And then we'll kind of go into what changed and, and, and kind of what's transpired since then. So can you speak a little bit about your, just your background, who you are, and, uh, and then we'll just spin off from there. Sounds good. Um, my life uh, was a pediatric nurse before I got injured. And uh, leading up into that, I actually was a casino dealer and nurse at the same time, kind of a strange career combo. Um, prior to that, I was in HVAC sales, um, and I actually own my own company. So my background's a little varied, a little mm -hmm. different. Um, I'm married, have two children, uh, three Yorkies and a Siberian forest cat. And I live in Buffalo, <laughs> New York. Yeah. And, and congratulations on the uh, legalization. That's really exciting. Uh, been waiting for that for New York for quite a while. I was uh, really, really surprised it actually passed. I didn't have much hope in 2021, but um, I fought really hard um, at the legislative level with many other advocates as well. And the wind really got kind of blown out of my sails in in 2019 and 2020 yeah. because we really thought it was going to pass. And then obviously the world shut down in 2020 with COVID. And then here we are in 2021 and the governor's on the hot seat for a lot of other issues. And boom, <laughs> our MARTA actually passed, which is the legislation bill 
and I can't be happier about it, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. And and once we get into your story a bit, it'll be clear to listeners um, why this is a, a huge deal for you for multiple reasons. Um, and so I guess let's go ahead and, and get into that a bit. I mean, in your introduction, you mentioned, you know, that you're an advocate for, you know, sharing how cannabis can be used for brain injuries. Um, and, and that's something that you've you've dealt with. So can you describe a little bit? I know you've shared the story a lot, and we'll try to find some some ways to to spin off and and um, find some unique angles here. But what um, you know, what happened that uh, got you into the sphere of advocacy for you know cannabis use for traumatic brain injuries and everything? Um, it, I my understanding is that you've had multiple run-ins with uh, traumatic brain injuries. And um, the story that you're kind of famous for wasn't actually your your first. Is that right? Correct. Um, I've actually had six true documented ones. Um, wow, geez. The third one was my game changer. Um, the first two were pretty mild, um, just normal blow to the head. Uh, I fell on ice and then I hit mm. my head on a desk. So, I mean, weird kind of accidents, but unexpected yeah. and just you went on your normal life a little bit of headache a little bit of light sensitivity yeah you felt off but you know it's kind of like life goes on um yeah and i'm a nurse so i'm pretty much one of these uh people that unless you're dying there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so for me you know a little bump on the head was just like nbd um so what really changed my life was it was just a normal day in a pediatric office and kids screaming and crying and everybody coming in because they're sick or they're well and getting shots just like yeah. getting ready for school kind of back to school kind of activities and uh this one child did not want his routine shot and um a co-worker called for assistance i went in and uh i got headbutted and bounced into a wall and back into the kid's head. And that was the last day I worked. And that was uh, 10, 11, 2016. Um, it was a work injury. So your regular insurance doesn't cover that kind of thing. So you have to go through what's called New York State Workers' Compensation. That is a very, very unfriendly patient system. <laughs> it is uh, designed to get you back to work and designed to absolutely have one set of symptoms, one set of outcomes, and there's no variance. In my case, and in, as the case of many other traumatic brain injury survivors, there is no standard of care because there are no two injuries that are exactly the same. As a result, it became near impossible to get any kind of care that really made sense. Um, you follow the doctor's orders, you go to the physical therapy, you go to the neurology, the uh, psychology, the <laughs> physical therapy. I mean, I saw over 60 providers and I was failing at this medical system. Um, I was a trained nurse. I was a respected colleague of these doctors until I got injured. And then all of a sudden now I'm just a crazy patient that's having symptoms far longer than I should. And it was really a huge struggle to just get a diagnosis, to just hear mm -hmm. um, 
the words, this is why you still feel like so bad. And this is why you can't count to five anymore. And this is why, you know, you're an emotional basket case. Not once did a doctor ever really share that with me. And yeah, I'm a nurse, but I was a pediatric nurse. I mean, kids got concussions all the time and they bounced right back, just like I had the previous two. So the challenge for finding the diagnosis was probably the most frustrating aspect of this whole injury. Um, And I actually learned about brain injury from other concussion survivors. People don't often understand a mild traumatic brain injury is also known as a concussion. A traumatic brain injury is also known um, for its lingering effects. That's kind of how you graduated from just a concussion to a mild traumatic brain injury because your symptoms just don't go away. It's also known as post-concussion syndrome. So when you start Googling and having to try to go down all these holes and your brain doesn't work the way it used to, everything is like hieroglyphics and you're sort of like, did I go to school? Do I like, is this just completely above my level of understanding? It just shouldn't be this hard. And the conflicting reports and the um, impact that the war on drugs had on my mentality and on my aspect, cannabis would have never even crossed my mind as a potential therapy. Yeah. Um, and what were the, like, so can you walk us through, uh, what were the immediate symptoms that you had after the injury? And then what were those uh, lingering symptoms that you were de- dealing with? And how long did you deal with them before you actually got that diagnosis where you were like, oh, that's what's you know happening with me? So, and probably the biggest symptom I deal with every day is um, the headache that never goes away. I have a mm-hmm. steady pound at the base of my skull and behind my eyes that has never gone away since that day. Um, I deal with a uh, left-sided weakness and numbness and tingling in my left arm. And that's because of how my injury happened and the way things went down. part of the brain or, yeah. Part of the brain and my neck. My neck actually is the reason Uh, my arm's messed up. So, um, but that after the injury was what I noticed the most, more than the headache, more than the blurred vision, more than, you know, all the other onslaught of symptoms that happened right away. It was the like paralysis almost of my left arm. And I, that was literally what I was fixated on. Um, I'm like, this is not right. Like (laughs) what just happened? And um, I was uh, one of the doctors that was on call that day said, you know, you've got a concussion you need to go to urgent care and off you go. Um, But the symptoms that, kept continuing were just the solid pain that never went away. And so if you've ever had any kind of chronic pain in your life, which up until this point, I had not. And sure, I had backaches. And again, but this was not just like a headache. It was not, and it still isn't. Um, It took 18 months before I actually found a physician that learned um, what was causing this irretractable headache. It just would not stop. And um, I don't know, as soon as you found that 
diagnosis and learned, you know, that your bones at the top of your neck aren't sitting right and it's causing impingement mm. of blood flow and cerebral spinal flow and all those things that you need to get to the front of your brain. Well, you're not getting any of that. <laughs> so as a result, you were hit at an angle and this is why. And the only cure is this $150,000 surgery of cervical fusion, but the oh, risks geez. are you literally can't move your neck anymore. So that's my point. And so um, knowing that that's kind of my options, yeah. they were such a huge relief because now I had an answer for why it just wasn't getting better. And then to be able to go back to other doctors and say, look, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. This report. Um, <laughs> and the fact that alternative therapies, alternative medicines were never even remotely discussed. It was all about, oh, okay, you've got a headache. Let's give you some narcotics. Let's give you some anti-inflammatories. Oh, let's throw some muscle relaxers in there. And just for good measure, let's throw some antidepressants. And I was going to say, yep. <laughs> and benzos. And, and let's just give you this whole cocktail of shit that you've absolutely never been on. And go ahead and try and function. Um, yeah. After my brain injury this time, um, the incident, I became so hypersensitive to so many things, um, meaning medicines. Uh, mm -hmm. I would go into anaphylactic shock after taking a medicine that I'd taken for months. And wow. All wow. it was really crazy. My immune system still to this day is messed up. Um, foods that I've eaten over and over and over again, all of a sudden now need, cause me to need an EpiPen. Um, that's part of the cervical instability diagnosis. And again, no one ever looked at this. And the universe does really crazy, cool things when it needs to. And I truly attribute the reason I discovered the doctor I found and the whole diagnosis and the everything that kind of went together was because of a random doctor who I found on a support group who did stem cell treatments for this very condition. Um, wow. And she said, has anyone looked at your neck? Have you ever had a moving um, cervical x-ray? And I'm like, no, no one's ever even talked about my neck. It's all about my head, brain injury, brain injury, brain injury. Right. No, it's actually more in your neck. Um, not more, but it's definitely yeah. a huge contributing factor. And um, so she, pretty much set me on this path to find this amazing provider that he's known, but you got to know what you're looking for. Um, and I mean, this man was just brilliant. His name was Dr. Scott Rosa. And I've always kind of been a poo-pooer on chiropractic medicine. Sure. <laughs> um, I just, you know, I didn't understand it. It didn't make mm -hmm. sense to me. And it's definitely not the Western medicine way of doing things, but and there's this, a wide quality of chiropractors too, wide oh, range. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, but I've always been very leery, but for this test, this doctor sat in an MRI machine with me for six hours and took micro images watching how my neck was moving over a, so it's a movable MRI of my neck. So 
it's kind of a cool story when you really think about it that it took, but it took me $52,000 to figure that out. I mean, that's like yep. life savings kind of thing. And, you know, now yeah. out, that's great news. But the bad news is there's really no cure unless you want to get this cervical fusion or potentially stem cells. Um, but because I'm like anaphylactically allergic to all yeah. the lidocaines and topical anesthetics, I don't qualify for something like stem cells because you have to use those kinds of medications. So um, it was a crazy, crazy journey. Um, but what's more interesting in the universe was um, during all this despair and loss of self and soon after my injury, I, you know, I expected to be back to work in two or yeah. three days, not not coming back. And so the pressure I was constantly putting on myself, I've got to feel better. I've got to feel better to get back to work. My, my, my team members count on me. I mean, being a nurse down is a big deal during back to school season. And, yeah. and the whole pressure that I just constantly put on myself instead of worrying about my recovery yeah. or worrying what was really happening. Why is all, all hell breaking loose in your body suddenly? Um, it really had an effect. So once I discovered, um, my husband, he thought he'd be really kind at Christmas time. Uh, the injury was in October. So a few months later at Christmas time said, Hey, your favorite place to go is Las Vegas. How about nice. we take a trip? And I said, yeah, no, I'm in no shape to go to Vegas. Oh, come on, come on, come on. It'll be fun. You'll be fine in a month. Don't worry. So we booked our trip to Vegas and it was just as hellish and horrible as I anticipated <laughs> from the airport to the airplane, to the travel, oh, yeah. to the sound, to the pressure, to every part of it was horrible. And I was miserable. And my husband, we land and it's sunny and it's nice after coming out of like blizzardy Buffalo. And, and I'm literally, I just want to go to bed. We need to find me to go to bed. At the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, they have balconies. Always, we stay facing the Bellagio fountains because mm -hmm. I love walking the Bellagio water and it's really peaceful and all that stuff. This particular day, I did not care what level I was on. I did not care what floor I was on. I did not care if they gave me a broom closet as my room. I just needed a bed. So... We were put in a totally different tower than we ever normally are. And it was facing the strip, the loudest, most commotion-ish. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. And sounds and <laughs> everything. And we're seven floors up or eight floors, a very low, less than 10 level. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> I remember saying, oh, this is going to be great. And... Uh, the medicines that I was taking were really strong and they definitely did not cohese well with each other. And one of the particular antidepressants I was on was creating dramatic suicidal thoughts. And I had never thought suicide ever. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. this was like, here, this little voice is talking in your head almost saying, yeah, yeah you don't need to be here. Time to die. So I'm looking over this balcony saying, oh, that's just perfect. How the hell am I going to die at seven floors up? I'm just going to be more screwed up and more. So, I mean, I had enough yeah. where I 
all to realize this was not a good idea. But while I'm looking over that balcony, a billboard goes by that says, get your medical cannabis card. It actually said, get your medical marijuana card in Nevada. Sorry. Yeah. For, I, I'm so used to saying cannabis now. Right, I know. Same here. Yep. The M word doesn't usually come into play anymore. Um, but it's like, get your Nevada medical marijuana card. And I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. Let's go smoke pot for your brain injury. That's a good idea. And then it came back a second time and I saw it and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. So then I go back in our room and side and I'm crying and, you know, being all depressed and in this very dark place, husband comes back in and he's like, are you in a better mood yet? And I said, no. And um, I said, oh, I just saw a sign though. Get your Nevada medical marijuana card. And he's like, let's go. And if you knew my husband, you'd kind of be like, he did what? Um, major conservative guy. Like intoxication never happens. It just doesn't. He just and, wants you to feel better. But he did. He was willing to try anything. So I go, I get the card. I go to my first dispensary trip. And what an overwhelming sea oh, of sure. things. Yeah. <laughs> it was like going into a into a bar and never having had alcohol, not having any idea what all those bottles are. And um, I had a very kind, compassionate, uh, very youthful bud tender that probably was 21. And uh, here's this old lady coming in here at 45, you know, whining and complaining about her headaches and depression and not wanting to get out of bed. And here he comes along with gummies and tinctures and you know, all different kinds of things. And I was like, how do you even use it? Like I had smoked joints before. Okay. So that was not a big deal, but yeah. you know, all these different forms and different things, it was kind of like, Whoa, but I spent like an hour in that dispensary and, uh, that cannabis, while it's not the same choices I would today use today, it got me off the ledge that cannabis, those, heavy sedating um, terpenes and cannabinoid profiles that that bud tender recommended or suggested, they got me off the ledge. And they gave me a tiny glimmer of hope for the first time since that injury. I came back to New York State expecting I could just go get my medical card the same way I did in Nevada. And we had a medical marijuana program, so I figured it would be the same stuff. Yeah. Completely false. Um, <laughs> chronic pain was not listed. And the other conditions that were, were like really severe. Like you had to have stage four cancer with severe wasting syndrome. I mean, they were very condition specific in a very limited way. And I just didn't qualify. I live 15 minutes from the Canadian border. So <laughs> Canada became all of a sudden my refuge. Um, I have a lot of friends in Canada and I've made many, many more since. Um, and I found cannabis that actually really worked for me. Um, I discovered that anything that requires first pass digestion uh, mm -hmm. that you have to eat or absorb through your mucosal membranes does not work for me. Um, I've had weight loss surgery and my gallbladder is removed. Mm. THC, CBD are both fat soluble compounds. Even if we rip them down and nano emulsum and do all that stuff, it's still yeah. 
does not go through my system properly. Um, and I have the same problem with vitamins. Like my vitamin D level is always yeah. low. Um, so once I figured that out, then I became a quest for, well, I'm finding certain strains or cultivars are really effective and others just make me a couch potato. I am anything mm. but wanting to be that couch potato. So I've learned through my journey. And again, this is just my personal experience and my yeah. understanding. Um, but myrcene is not my favorite terpene unless there's others that really counteract or balance it yeah. um, better. Like limonene, pinene, even humulene is mm. great. Um, beta-carphaline is okay, but again, not my favorite taste, but it does mm -hmm. have effects. Um, and again, the only way I was able to learn these kinds of things was because I took advantage of Canada and I had a great friend. I have a great friend, Sabrina, um, who is a researcher for cannabis in Canada. And so I became like the test subject for multiple. Yeah. It's not, not from her company perspective, but mm -hmm. I kind of taught her about cannabis in a different way than how she had learned it from a research perspective and from a nursing perspective. We became good friends. And so she would see a medicated Nikki and unmedicated Nikki. She would completely see the difference of how I was able to communicate, how I was able to walk, how I was able to um, just be uplifted, be medicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and not, and able to actually go from a, maybe not to Z, but a, <laughs> yeah, I, at least, you know what I mean? It's like, um, there's different parts that just are disconnected when you have a brain injury and yeah, it's, it's sort of like having a defragmented hard drive. Um, mm -hmm. if you remember back in the nineties, you need to oh, defrag yeah. your hard drive. Well, um, my brain is defragged and cannabis is the frag, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. It helps. Yeah, it helps those. reorganize and clean up some things. Yeah, yeah, if that makes any sense. And um, I find that I have to smoke it. And the stigma surrounding smoking cannabis mm -hmm. is just ludicrous. <laughs> I've yeah. had... Um, a doctor that's supposedly a cannabis expert look me in the eye and say, if you're smoking cannabis, you're just using it to get high. And I absolutely lost all credibility, respect, and faith yeah. in his position after that statement. And if you're supposed to be the know and in the know about this plant, how could you possibly make such a ridiculous statement? And, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, he was literally trying to sell me his own CBD products. And oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, I just can't imagine all the patients that it's doing a disservice to when he's the man to go to for your medical cannabis card. And he, all he's doing is sending him on a full spectrum hemp um, magic carpet ride, in my opinion. Right. <laughs> um, that isn't going to really get to the core of their problems. Isolating any one molecule out of this plant is not the long-term solution. I have found personally the entourage of all the components, the terpenes, the flavonoids, the minor cannabinoids, the major ones, the whole plant yep. is what I need 
for my medicine. And it's the least um, desired medicine for most practitioners because they can't control its dosing the way they want. They can't predict the outcomes the way they want. Um, The studies that are out there, there's millions of them, but they're not done the way the U.S. pharmacopoeia world operates. So as a result, they're not even recognized or brought up. And this is what I found so much with brain injury and cannabis. There was like no real information. And I've since learned it's all about Google and how things are placed in the whole search engine optimization. (laughs) How they get hidden in the the depths of the web. But like, I didn't know this kind of stuff. And so it just seemed like there was no information anywhere that I could find that was credible. So one of the struggles has been being able to talk to people and feel confident that I'm not blowing smoke up someone, you know, I'm not smoking the air that I'm really, there's valid reasons that cannabis works for traumatic brain injury. Um, In the Israeli army, every medic, every soldier, they have a whole THC CBD nasal spray that if you suffer from a blast injury, that's, squirted up your nose like instantly it reduces brain swelling to me this should be on every single ambulance we have in america and armor you know paramedics should know that cannabis is not poison it's not it's going to reduce their brain swelling and i mean i think to myself um i can tell you positively after my third brain injury the three subsequent ones that i had mm-hmm. My symptoms were far less, despite being much more significant uh, physical blows and Mm. outcomes. So the neuroprotective effects of cannabis, absolutely 100% real. And I think um, being a living test case to that is pretty cool. What happened on your, your fourth injury um, that you had? So you said you had three subsequent um, brain injuries after that big third one. So, um, the fourth one, what, what happened? I was on the phone, um, in with my friends in Canada and I lost my balance and they have a glass thick snack bar. Um, and I went down and, uh, cracked the snack bar and really gave myself a good crack on the head. I was unconscious for about a minute. Um, wow. I was on the phone, Jeez. so my husband was screaming on the phone, Nicky, Nicky, and I'm like, stop yelling. And <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you weren't there. <laughs> he said, all I did was hear this huge crash. <laughs> and uh, then you were gone. Um, so then I looked in the mirror and it was, quite frightening (laughs) um but i got to an emergency room and i discovered uh canadian medicine at that point and let me tell you anyone that complains about our medical care in the u.s needs to go spend an afternoon in a general hospital in a busy canadian area because it's Mm. not the same it's like being in the ritz versus the super eight way down <laughs> it's totally different and uh i literally the records i got from canada were 
the most difficult things to translate because like the nurse had the story mm. right, the clerk had the story right but the doctor had it all wrong so then i wrote to the canadian medical oh, board that i need documentation so my insurance pays this because you have completely it's like they mixed up my case the doctor did in the dictation compared to like some old person with the oh jeez. I mean, it was like really. Oh my gosh! It was really bad, and it was like a, you know, five thousand dollar visit. So it wasn't to get my insurance to pay was a whole nightmare. But, but I can honestly say the effects of that, I expected that I would really regress significantly Mm -hmm. um, after having. It's sort of like with brain injury, the little baby steps are really great, Mm -hmm. but then you go back twenty steps, like. You think you're going along good and everything's working. And then all of a sudden, a little blip in your system, everything just slides. And uh, trying to stay above that slippery slope was my goal. And I could not believe how horrible I looked, but I didn't feel horrible, you know? And and so it was sort of like, yeah, I know it looks bad, but I'm okay. You know? Right. <laughs> Don't I, worry. It's been a lot worse. <laughs> I, I mean, really, uh, since I found cannabis, we're... <laughs> We're doing real good compared to where I was, and it's and did not. You, did, you know? And did you did you use cannabis when that injury happened? Like yeah. before you went to the hospital? Did you, is that like something you you thought to do early on? No, I definitely didn't think to do it. But I was medicated prior to the hit. You know. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But I definitely. <laughs> If there was any medicated in my system, it definitely just went where it was supposed to go for that neuroprotective quality. Because I was definitely not medicated when I got in that car. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was in agony. <laughs> and um, I couldn't believe the stupidity of it, honestly. I just, it was just such a fluke thing. And then um, yeah. my fifth one was really clever. I, uh <laughs> was walking into a brain injury using cannabis <laughs> brain injury. I was walking in to this event. It was like a free event at our local university with this known doctor. <laughs> and uh, but I wanted to hear what he had to say because Yeah, for sure. I into it. And this was before I had my personal experience with him. So as I'm walking in, it was this fluke ice storm in Buffalo and I face planted at a hundred miles an hour. And I mean, I damaged my neck, my knee, my arm, my, my teeth, um, everything kind of started to fall apart that day. But again, the brain fog and cognition issues, I medicated and I still felt the same, the same pain relieving I had with my, head was still being affected positively with cannabis. So it just, I can't explain scientifically why that is. I can just say it worked for me. (laughs) Um, Your narcotics and all these other drug combinations did not, they didn't touch my pain. They just made me Mm -hmm. mentally not right um, in so many ways. And Cannabis has given me hope and it gives me hope every single day. I can't tell you how awesome the people are in my tribe, the people that I meet every day that are inspired just 
you know, that I didn't give up, that I kept going, that I kept yeah. pursuing a diagnosis, not just accepting what one doctor said because he's got an MD after his name. Um, yep. I've learned you have to be your own advocate. And if you don't understand your condition enough, then you, you're just, you have to learn about your condition and you have to be able to speak with a doctor at the level, maybe not yeah. the they are, but you have to be able to understand what they're saying. Because when you yeah. are in the dark, you can literally be fed the purple Kool-Aid. And I was, I totally was. And, mm -hmm. and I just, I really encourage people to be their own advocate and learn what they can about alternative and holistic therapies before just swallowing another pill. I'm not anti-pill. I still take medicines, but they no longer dictate my life. They no longer have a life and death consequence. Um, and yeah. I have not been to that dark place since I've been off Cymbalta. Have I had disappointments? Have I had setbacks? Absolutely. But the level of chemical imbalance that was going on there with that mm -hmm. drug was frightening. And you really think it's you. <laughs> and yeah. so I totally can see why Patients with uh, traumatic brain injury, with chronic traumatic encephaly, you know, like the football players, the people with repeated blows to their heads, why they feel so hopeless and like there's nothing there because they're given all these different cocktails of pills and they don't all interact nice with each other. And uh, I just, I really think we need to look outside the box and realize everyone is not just a symptom. We need to look at their whole body. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there, there's several important points that you brought up that I wanted to sort of reiterate. One is the <clears throat> the stigma around smoking or, or vaporizing. That is something that, um, you know, I hear most doctors that teach about cannabis generally say that, you know, you know, we can never recommend smoking or, you know, smoking you know, is, has its place over here in the recreational side, but, um, not the medical side, but from my own experience, <clears throat> so I, I just have like multiple spinal cord injuries. So the chronic pain thing is something I, I deal with pretty regularly. Um, and even have a, uh, issue in the neck, um, that causes all sorts of weird, like tingling and numbness and, and stuff. So I can relate to some degree with kind of the things you're describing, um, and I've, I've found the uh, similar situation. I, I don't know what it is about edibles, whatever with my body, but when I eat cannabinoids, they don't do much. I don't know. I don't know why. I'm not sure why. I don't know if my liver processes things differently or what, but vaporizing or smoking, it's, uh, reliable. And if I'm like in the middle of a back spasm or a, you know, debilitating pain or something, that generally is the only thing that is going to, you know, however it acts uniquely, uh, that's going to get me mobile again. Um, and it's something I don't, uh, you know, this is kind of one of the first times I've talked about that, you know, in that way, but it's something I, I always hesitate to mention because of the stigma around smoking, um, you know, to say that, you know, I'm a medical user, but I, I choose to smoke rather than all these other things. Um, but there's a solid reason I've tried every form. And that's just the way it's panned out. I don't, you know. <laughs> it, 
definitely an issue with liver metabolism um, and your own body chemistry. And I really get annoyed with the medical providers that say smoking has no benefit because first of all, it's the most rapid onset. It's the most rapid exit too. So if you're having a bad reaction, you are going to come down in two to three hours compared to an edible that you could be on a forest ride for 24, 48 hours in some cases, just depending on how your system metabolizes. And also the other thing with smoking is it doesn't have the interactions with your pharmaceuticals. If you've got a patient that's taking 25 different pharmaceuticals, I get we don't want to offer them a joint, you know, you're 90 years old and hey, by the way, let's go (laughs) smoke a joint together. But there's got to be an alternate form. I have been on a quest (laughs) for the last two and a half years to try and find an alternate form. And again, not just for the stigma, but because Mm smoking is a pain in the butt. Um, I would much rather be able to pop a pill or uh, suck on a gummy or, you know, have some Mm -hmm. means of it working. Maybe the nose thing is the way to go. I don't know, but I can tell you right now, that's where companies are going to have an advantage. If you can find a patient like myself or yourself that doesn't feel the effects of first pass digestion and actually find something that works, kudos, let's rock it and let's advertise it and get other people on board with it because I know I'm not alone. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know if you found this, I definitely have noticed, but even vaporizing versus smoking, there's a distinct difference in effects. <laughs> huge completely does not the same effect even dry herb vaporizing i have a volcano i have invested in some of the most high-tech best toys you could ever imagine just to try and get the best delivery consistent delivery and the longest effect out of medicine and by far over and over again i migrate right back to my joint um i'm not a bowl or a bong fan. I'm really not a fan of concentrates at all, only because for me and my lungs, they just seem to like rip through them. I mean, I'm coughing and peeing myself, literally. (laughs) Yeah, when I do (laughs) it, dab it. Um, It's just, I don't see the, the appeal in it. And I guess maybe for some medical patients, it's amazing and and kudos to them. Mm -hmm. I'm not, judging anyone's administration of method of medicine it's just for me again my personal experience i definitely whether it's a vape cartridge whether it's dry or vaporizing live resin has been the best vape cartridge type thing that i have found is close to smoking but it seems to exit my system 10 times faster than smoking so like i feel Mm. suck a whole vape pen <laughs> for an afternoon, you know, I, with mm-hmm. a joint, I've got two hours, give or take. And yeah, vape pen, I feel like I'm just, you know, constant. <laughs> and I mean, they literally cost $86 for 0.3 grams here in New York state. It's really not a wise economical decision. Um, yeah. The pandemic closing Canada changed my entire life. And I now had to learn not 
we don't have whole flour in New York State. So as a result, one must get their flour elsewhere. This is not cool. <laughs> when you're yeah. a patient looking for medicine, you just want the same consistent results. I yep. should have the ability to walk into my medical dispensary and have access to that flower that they've mutilated, destroyed, stripped, and taken all of its medicinal benefits out of. I shouldn't have to be forced into a vape cartridge. I should be able to have whole flower. And yep. kudos to New York State and all my fellow advocates because our medical program is being expanded within six months and we will have whole flower. But again, up until this point, having to go to Joe downtown in the hood to go get medicine that you have no idea if mm -hmm. it's going to work, how it smells, what it looks like, what's on it, who sprayed stuff on it. And not, yeah. I mean, sprayed meaning like chemicals kind of thing, yeah. like treating it that way. I don't mean you know, take it into the next level with weird stuff, putting <laughs> that's, that's I, happening too. It is, but so infrequently. And I hesitate to even mention it because the media just, Blizzard. they find one case and then all of a sudden all marijuana is bad. And <laughs> the war on drugs in New York state is out of control. Okay. Seven out of 10 Black or brown people are more likely to be arrested for cannabis prior to this new law passing. And yep. that is disgusting. That is just wrong. I don't care who you are, what police force you're with. There is absolutely no reason that we need to perpetuate that horrible injustice to those yeah. people that have been wronged on the war on drugs. When I saw when the law first passed, I was really happy to see that there was an immediate memo that went out to all police departments that said you can no longer stop people for the smell of cannabis or anything like that. And I was I turned to my wife and I said, that is so huge because that is the tool that police use, you know, to um, exercise that bias um, because they you can say that about anyone. And I've actually... Uh, I've had that happen to me in a run in with a police officer in Mississippi that they just claim, you know, they smell something. And then that gives them uh, the authority to then do pretty much whatever they want after that. Um, and it, whether it's legal or not, they still get away with it. And so when I saw that, I was like, man, that just immediately um, affects so many people. Just the fact that you don't have to worry about being stopped and questioned just because um, either you look like a cannabis user or you smell like it or you don't. And someone's like, you know, just using that as a tool to, you know, do whatever they want to you or harass you. Um, I was really, really happy, um, to see that. And ultimately I'm very, very excited to see what evolves in New York in general, because, you know, I, <clears throat> I know several, uh, have several friends in, in New York and, um, try to catch up with like Dr. June Chen, who's who's mm -hmm. in um, New York fairly regularly, and uh, some other folks. And they've kind of taught me um, about some of the limitations of the medical program and all of the the different hassles that they've been having to deal with with that. So also just seeing this as you know now patients in New York, whether they're actually registered with the medical program or not, 
just knowing that um you know access is about to change dramatically um is is super exciting um one thing i, I wanted to ask you about to kind of kind of go back a little bit um, one thing I'm interested to understand is how how has your personality been affected by these injuries, and has cannabis had any effect on on that at all? Because we've talked a little bit about like the pain side of that, but I don't think we've talked about kind of the psychological side uh, too much. Um, I was really, really, really depressed. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was. Um, I lost myself uh, after the injury. I mean, I really, really did. Um, mm -hmm. And fighting for the diagnosis and just constantly feeling like I'm going crazy. Um, and right. at the time, yeah. I would go to Canada, I'd medicate, I'd be there for a few days, but I'd have to come back to the US without my medicine. So it was almost like you dreaded coming home because you knew mm -hmm. that uplifted feeling that feeling that you could actually do things was about to come to an end so every time i would come back home it's almost like i couldn't wait to go back and so mm -hmm. the constant anticipation of being able to go back to canada the next weekend or the next week yeah. it wasn't working but i had I had a full calendar of doctor appointments <laughs> if you guys knew yeah. how many doctors i mean it's a full-time job being a patient um, yeah. and, and you literally had to schedule everything and deal with prior offs and it was just nuts. And, um, I never would have thought I would have had a meltdown just filling out a new patient form. These were things that you take for granted that all of a sudden yeah. you can't do anymore. Um, my handwriting is virtually illegible and that is a direct result of my brain injury. Um, as I become more unmedicated, like my thoughts mm -hmm. start to slow up, my uh, the confidence I have where I'm mm -hmm. energetic and I've always been an energetic, pretty positive, motivated kind of person, but cannabis just, I don't know, I feel like life's too short to be negative. And so if we yeah. always focus on the problems, we never are going to be happy. If we always, yeah. if we always look back and think of what we used to be. And for me, mm -hmm. this is a huge thing because I was really high functioning. So if I always look back and think, Oh man, you used to own your own company. Now you can't even count change. Like what a screw up. If you constantly look behind, you're always going to be yeah. If you constantly yep. look ahead and worry, oh my God, how am I going to pay my bills? Oh my God, how am I going to, you know, what am I going to leave for my kids when I die? Or um, mm -hmm. just you're constantly looking forward and you're never satisfied, you're going to have constant anxiety. But if you can just focus right here, right now on this conversation, hopefully someone's listening that you can make a difference with. And hopefully yeah. they get hope and realize it's not luxurious and it's not cool to be busy all the time. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be busy. We can actually yeah. enjoy the environment around us. We can actually enjoy the people we're speaking to without looking at our phones every six seconds. Um, yep. And I know it's the whole 
you know, world has changed because of COVID, because of the way we interact. But I can sure say I miss people. I miss going to yeah. the events. As overwhelmed as I get just going out in public and all the things that just come crashing in on me, just going to a mall or going to a grocery store. I mean, I don't go grocery yeah. shopping. Um, I've learned to accept the shortcomings and do what I can with what I have, what I can do right now. And yeah. changing that whole mindset was a huge challenge. And cannabis, I think, has allowed me to shift instead of constantly yeah. looking at what I can't do, look at what I can do. Look at all the people's Jason, I get messages every single day of someone saying, wow, I just saw that podcast you did on My Jane, My Story or uh, My Whole Plan Expo or, wow, that meme really resonated with me today. I needed to see that. Your post makes such a difference in my life. Yeah. I feel like I'm making so much more of an impact now yeah. than I ever did as a nurse, as a dealer, as a business owner. I feel that we all just need to be kind to people. So many people have invisible disabilities that we can't yep. see. And instead of being a judgmental jerk because somebody's parked in a handicapped space and doesn't look like they should be, <laughs> yep. let's not be nasty and have an attitude. Let's just say, let them do them, you do you. And yep. if we can just start focusing on being better people and bringing people to this plant in a non-threatening way that it's, yeah. but understand you're planting seeds. Everybody doesn't grow right away. So you might have to sprinkle more and sprinkle more seeds, but eventually I can't tell you how many people that were absolute naysayers, my parents, my dad's yeah. former, um, border patrol guy. He was so anti-cannabis, I can't even tell you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, now his daughter's this like outspoken yep. cannabis advocate that, you know, talks about the plant everywhere she goes. So, you know, people have changed and all you can do is be who you are and the right people are going to come to you and listen to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree. Um with that wholeheartedly um it's it's you know one thing i i like to think about is that we're all kind of mirrors for one another um in how we treat each other how we you know behave and everything and we we often um uh, we often don't appreciate that enough i think um and so approaching life in general with humility and kindness and uh yeah that approach of like you don't know what's going on with somebody you don't know why you know if someone snaps at you, you don't know what they're dealing with why you know and so allowing people to just have space to be humans and to do their thing and recognize you don't have all of the information of what's going on with other people or what around you and just trying to offer compassion and um uh, it's even like a form of mercy, but just this, you know, just being very kind and and um, and kind of going with the flow that can have such a tremendous impact long term around, you know, all the people that are around you that see you that see how you behave. I mean, I mean, there and there's like neuroscience behind this that 
the, act, the activities, the behaviors we see, we have a tendency to want to emulate. And so recognizing the power in that of the things we say, the things we do, that it's it does send out this trickling cascade of effects um, out into the world. And so trying to think how can we make those effects as positive as as possible i mean that's i don't know that's one of the most i think that's one of the most important things that we can come to and 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 come to terms with you know in our short time that we have here um because i think a lot of us feel like uh we're relatively small or don't have much impact um on other people and um it's just not true um and so it's it's great to see how through this whole process that you've kind of bloomed into this, um, I guess, like new incarnation of yourself in a way, um, and that you're sort of continuing this, uh, you know, the spirit of being a nurse, like carrying this forward in a uh, a new and unique way. It's it's really awesome to see and and really really inspiring. Um, Thank and, you. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and one thing I wanted to ask you just as a parent, how has how has this been as far as, you know, your interactions with your kids and their perspective of everything that you've gone through? Um, I mean, I, I know just from having parents that have gone through all sorts of medical conditions myself, when you talk about being a full time patient, I'm like, that is my mom. Like she has doctor appointments every day. And as always, you know, having to go through stuff has weird uh, 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 um, immune system issues that still can't quite figure out. Um, and so I can relate to that. And so I know, you know, these things don't just affect you. It affects the whole family. It affects your friends. And so can you speak a little bit to that? And I know we need to wrap up soon. This is definitely something I wanted to, to ask about because I'm personally um, interested. What was your your kids' response to all of this that you've been going through for over the past four or five years? So, I have a son and daughter. They're older. They are. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be thirty two and thirty, and uh, so it wasn't like they were children with my. You yeah, know, yeah. They had to explain cannabis to them or anything. Sure. Not yeah. My son constantly was trying to get me to smoke a joint. Just smoke, mom, just smoke. Um, and I was like, absolutely not. And, and it just <laughs> didn't seem like a good idea, you know, back mm -hmm. then. But then all of a sudden, now my son becomes a valuable resource for me about yeah. understanding the plant. My daughter is a nurse and she got me off. She basically was the big slap in my face on Christmas day. That was like, mom, you got to snap out of this. No one is going to do it for you. You're the one who always told me that it's up to me what I will be. <laughs> she said, I hated that. Wow. Forever. Wow. <laughs> and her saying that on Christmas day, when I literally was a ball of a blubbery mess, made me think and then she's like be nice you know and we call my husband mj mr jack um <laughs> because when they were, yeah so mj bought you a nice trip to vegas the least you could do is be nice you know and she was like really being the parent almost to me and then once mm -hmm. he saw the transformation and saw cannabis helping me 
immediately she wanted to know more and wanted to understand it. And, you know, now I can say both my kids are very pro cannabis and they support it as medicine. Um, I mean, my son always was pro cannabis, but (laughs) Um, my husband who was very much not a cannabis uh, lover has become one and actually encourages me to have people over because he sees how much I know and how much I teach other people. I Mm, literally have school in my house. Uh, I break out different terpenes, isolated terpene components. I have like a smoke is focused so you can look at the trichomes (laughs) and look at the actual cannabis plant and how it works. And, um, you know, we do smell, this is why this makes you feel this way. And, talk about the medical benefits. And I mean, I have like just a whole little educational thing going on with just my friends and everybody wants to know more. And as I learn more, I want to share more because the more we know about the plant, the less the stigma is going to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's incredible. And that's, uh, you know, such a, uh, an awesome thing that this, you know, lesson that you instilled in your daughter one day came around when you needed it. And I, I mean, I don't know, that's just, it gives me goosebumps a little bit. Cause like I said, just being a parent, thinking about those sort of dynamics and already, I mean, my daughter is very young, but she already, you know, mimics things back to me, uh, lessons that I'm trying to teach her that I'm realizing, oh yeah, it's probably a good idea if I internalize those <laughs> lessons too. <laughs> right. I mean, I share all these motivational memes. I don't claim to have it all figured out, right? I'm just sharing them as my reminder, just like for other people. It's not just because I share something that talks maybe about, you know, don't let others get you down and stuff doesn't mean I'm down. It just means maybe someone needs to see that today and maybe it can make them feel less alone. Yeah. So what's your... um you know, now that, that New York has legalized and everything, um, you know, hopefully soon you won't have to um, worry about trying to get across the border just to find flour and everything. What do you kind of see on your horizons going forward? What are you excited about? And do you have any, um, you know, particular plans or anything that you're kind of thinking about now that New York has kind of entered this new, brave new world? <laughs> We have some really cool things that are in this MARTA law. So I am trying to look at the best way of finding my place in the industry, Mm -hmm. things that I can do. Um, I'm an amazing connector. I'm very positive, but I'm definitely not a computer programmer. (laughs) I am not (laughs) your social media manager. Um, There are things that I do really, really great now. I'm just differently able, not Mm -hmm. disabled. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've looked at the possibility of, so New York, one of the cool things is consumption. You can smoke Mm -hmm. cannabis anywhere you can smoke cigarettes. That is the biggest, coolest thing all over America because- Yeah, it really is. It has ultimately never been allowed that I know of. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe people and cops ignore it, but it's actually in the law wherever cigarettes, tobacco can be consumed as can cannabis. So for me, one of the problems I've had has been safe access and where even when you go to Las Vegas, because of the federal status, you can't smoke it in a 
Las Vegas hotel with a casino because of schedule one, federal Trump's state. So having the law where in a place that people can consume safely is my ultimate dream goal to have, um, maybe not a resort, but like a safe mm -hmm. consumption space that you can have events and people really get educated with hands-on immersion experience and, you know, be able to teach people how to make their own medicine, um, how to grow their own medicine, how to, you know, ultimately take charge of their own health and, you know, do things that will make them feel better and make them healthier and more content in their own skin, I guess is the best way of saying it, you know, because yeah. you have a skill, you know, you learn every person that leaves my house after my little school, it's like, man, I learned so much. I break out all my books. I have an entourage of cannabis <laughs> here and, uh, you know, some of them have amazing graphics and, pictures and you know really show you what to look for in your cannabis and what's bad and how you want you know to really pick and choose your cannabis yeah. based on coas you know yeah. i am so big on bringing the legacy market to the legal market yeah there's no reason we should shut out those that have been supplying medicine yep. for decades they know some stuff, okay? Whether it's yeah. quality of the distribution channel where they get their products or whether it's how to make their own medicine or extract yeah. their own medicine, they have skills. We need them. And so all the suits with all the money, that's great. We need the suits with the money, but we also need the patients and those that have created the whole market and yeah. taught the market. And one of the things I see so often is patients and the legacy market are just ignored or yep. their opinions don't matter. And that's really crappy. I mean, my knowledge yeah. of this industry yep. is pretty crazy, but I'm not going to sit here and like spout off everything I've done. You know, it's just, if you recognize that I'm a smart human, <laughs> then let's <laughs> find a way to work together. So Together, we can make a difference. I am not trying to be a lone islander here. Um, there's some amazing brands I would love to see come to New York State, one of which is right behind me, Tycoon Alum. <laughs> nice. Tycoon is uh, my most favorite brand. I would love to have a dispensary and have their product in it, ultimately. Um, again, something with consumption, education, and... Yep. Being able to really help people is what it might yeah. be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And once again, extending that that heart of a nurse, um, trying to carve out a a safe place for people to come and learn and, like you said, get hands-on experience and wrap their minds around it so that they can then take that and do whatever they need to do with it. I think that's that's really great. And I'm glad you brought up the bit about the you know, the legacy players, because there is a growing sort of um, disturbing trend where uh, legislators um, generally are sort of like, okay, we've now moved beyond the black market. So ignore all of those people. We're now 
recreating the wheel because we're just going to set up our own regulations and licenses and stuff. And like, oh, yeah, if you have a felony, you can't get a license. You know, there's like little things like that that get put into place into a lot of states that um, start to immediately shut out, um, yeah, the most knowledgeable people uh, that could add so, so, so much value that have even made any of this possible in the first place. Um, that, yeah, it's it's crazy to try to ignore that just because they've been doing something illegal. It's like, well, uh, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> How do you think this has all come about? Right. Um, so, so anyway, uh, well, what were you going to say? I said that's so true. And I said, uh, I feel that they need to be part of part of the table. They need to have their seat, just like yeah. the suits. I feel like in if they have, you know, so like out here in Oregon, we had subcommittees that were made to tackle mm. different rules. And I feel like there ought to be positions on these subcommittees that are reserved for people that are coming out of the legacy market that are trying to um, help the legal markets get up to speed and and get, you know, uh, implemented efficiently and to think through um, different issues. It's like, OK, if you're worried about black market diversion, then why not partner up with someone who's actually been involved in the black market and get their feedback? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Exactly. Um, if you're in Oregon, Dashita Dawson is a huge champion hmm. for legacy players in Oregon. And she's been active in our whole New York discussion and part of crystal people Stokes and everything oh, cool. that was part of the movement here. I have so much respect for her and, you know, she lays it out and, is just so inspiring and it's really making a difference allowing these people to come to the table for once and at the end of the day we all just want to be part of a table right i mean yeah. at the yeah. end of the day we just want to feel like we belong somewhere and we have a purpose that's doing something positive i mean if your goal is just on money you're missing so much because Lives can be changed, saved, and literally overhauled with cannabis. So yeah. get the focus off the greed and look at the plant and bring people to it. Kurt Robbins says it best, learn and teach others. He's a, an amazing um, reference source for me all the time, as is Ruth Fisher, uh, the medical cannabis primer. She taught yeah. me so much. I've got yeah. that book uh, right over here. I, no one can see it, but yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, it's my absolute favorite. It taught me cannabis. It's the first book I was able to really grasp when I was starting to be able to read again. Uh, yeah. And it taught me so much. And I need pictures. I need illustrations to learn compared to any book that I bought that's just words is really hard for me to get through. Mm -hmm. Um Mostly, it just becomes a skim book then. But yeah, yeah. when you're looking on Amazon, you don't know whose book is really great and full of information. So for me, I've got, I think, 150 cannabis books now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll just serve to be your library whenever you have your space. Yeah, that's what I figure. And, um, you know, I'll, I just want to legitimize this as medicine and just want others to come to the plant without fear of yeah. the stigma. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, Nikki, this has been awesome. I know we've gone, I'm sure we've gone over an hour now. I lost track because it, we had a, a slight little hiccup there in the middle, but um, I want to make sure I don't keep you forever. But I've I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's been great to finally have this chance to sit down and, and talk face-to-face -face rather than um, chatting on LinkedIn and stuff. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing your story. There's, I mean, I could go on for an, another hour or two probably uh, with just questions I'm like personally interested in. Um, but I appreciate you being willing to to take the time and please stay in touch. Let me know, um, you know, what's going on with you and and everything out there in New York. And if I can ever be a resource for you for education or anything, let me know. I'd love to uh, partner up and do some events or something um, awesome. and try to help, um, you know, especially now that New York has just blown wide open. Uh, there's going to be so many people, uh, excuse the pun, but so many people that are curious about cannabis um, <laughs> that it'd be, it'd be great to uh, be able to help connect, uh, you know, anyone I can with um, scientific information or whatever, even if it's just leading a discussion like this, I'm happy to contribute in whatever small way I can. So please stay in touch. Absolutely, Jason. Anything you ever want to ask me, you feel free. I, I will hit you up on that, I promise. <laughs> I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share on your platform, and I hope it helps one person. If I made a difference in one person's life, then I feel I've done a good job. Absolutely, yeah. I have no doubts that'll be the case. So everyone listening, um, well, uh, one thing I need to make sure to do, so you have a website and, and some other things, so I want to make sure to share that. So let people know uh, um, how to find you on the web and connect with you in case they um, have any questions and and your story is is shared on your website as well if people prefer to like you know read it and and that kind of thing. But before I sign off, I want to make sure to give you the chance to share all of that. I almost forgot. Sure. Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm Nikki Lolly, N-I-K-K-I-L-A-W-L-E-Y. I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, Nikki and the Plant. And I'm also on Instagram, uh, Nikki and the Plant. Cool. So Nikki and the Plant and the website's Nikki and the Plant.com. So pretty much yeah. anyone searching yeah. for that. Org. Dot org. Nikki and the dot, dot org. Yeah. Dot org. Okay. Nikki and the Plant.org. Perfect. Awesome. Well, everyone listening, please um, check all of that out. And especially if you or someone, you know, a loved one or someone you know has you know, dealt with brain injuries, um, you know, dive into this. There's a lot of good information. I'll try to remember if I can. I'm really bad about show notes. Um, but there's some great research literature that's now available that may not have been four or five years ago um, on uh, things like related to athletes and stuff, uh, try to understand what's going on with cannabinoids and uh, things like neuroinflammation and all sorts of other issues to uh, so that folks can kind of dive into the science around um, what's going on. It's still very, very new, very, very early. Um, and it's, it, it's actually a great example of where you really have to pay attention to the patient stories because we don't, we still don't understand enough to predict what, you know, how cannabis would, uh, would affect these conditions. The inflammation thing kind of makes sense, but there's aspects to it that still don't make sense. And so you really have to pay attention to stories like these and just hear what's it actually doing for people rather than getting so caught up in, you know, what's the molecular and biological, you know, uh, things going on. Cause a lot of it, we don't know, but there, there is some good research out there now that I'll try to make sure to connect some listeners with. And yeah, 
hope this has been helpful. And uh, Nikki, I look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Thanks so much. All right, everybody, if you want to learn more about Curious About Cannabis, just find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter and YouTube. I think that's all of them. Uh, just search for Curious About Cannabis and you'll find us. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay curious and take it easy. Bye-bye. If you want to learn more about cannabis, check out the Curious About Cannabis book on Amazon.com and other major online book retailers. Thank you.